Welcome to Prescribing Prosperity with your hosts, John and Alex Soutsos from MedWealth Financial Services, operating through IPC Securities Corporation. In this podcast, we provide unique insights into wealth management, the psychology of financial decisions, and help listeners place the capital markets into perspective. Our aim is to help physicians, business owners, and other medical professionals to live their dream. Life is to live and enjoy, so we'll also cover health and lifestyle-related topics such as food, dining, travel, and unique experiences. Learn how global trends shape our investment strategy as we help you assemble your roadmap to prosperity. Hello. And welcome to the Prescribing Prosperity Podcast with John and Alex Sutos. Guys, good to be with you again. I thought this week we would talk a little bit about who you are and give give listeners a chance to get to know what you're about and, and, and what you value and, you know, what your idea of maybe even success might constitute. I know that we've talked about this a little bit, and I think it's important that listeners know about this. I know making money is important. I know part of your definition of success is being generating great returns for for your investors. But it's not all about money, is it, guys? This is this is not a um, let's make a lot of money and that's it kind of thing. So, w- what is it about money that's important? And and John, in deference to your seniority, we'll start with you in terms of just what is it that that's important about money to you, and what does it mean? Well, I think uh, money gives you uh, the freedom to do and spend your time the way you would like to spend it, as opposed to being forced to uh, do things that you're uncomfortable with or things that you don't want to be doing on an ongoing basis. Uh, For me personally, the independence to be able to conduct my business, but also have the capacity to travel without restriction uh, while maintaining my business and also uh, being able to spend time with my family is very important. There's a lot of things in life that bring pleasure. And in addition to spending time with family, going to nice restaurants, enjoying some fine wine, and enjoying some nice sights around the world. So I, th- I think I share uh, my my definition of success along with most people out there, who many of which share that viewpoint about uh, how they would like to spend their time. Yeah, I mean, Alex, the old saying is money can't buy you love, but money can buy you a lot of other things. You know, I assume, right? That's a part of my point. Yes. <laughs> I, can, I can buy you love too, but not, not for long. <laughs> well, <you know. laughs> anyway, yes, it's, uh, you know, it, it definitely buys you. Uh, it, it buys you a lot of things, you know, in terms of what, what success really gets you or, or what you're, what you define as uh, as success and what money can give you. It's, it's freedom. It's flexibility. It's, you know, not sweating the, uh, the email from, uh, the bank every single month when your uh, credit card comes due and you think, Oh my God, I spent that much money last week and or last month. And it's, it's being able to make a decision based on your wants as opposed to your financial abilities. So, you know, uh, friends or family want to get together. They want to go on a trip. They want to do some sort of activity together and to be able to uh, make your decision based solely upon, does that sound like something I'd enjoy doing? Like that's, that's what you want to be making your decision based upon, not based upon, financial restrictions and that's the way i define success or uh, financial flexibility right now and uh, at a younger age and 
as you get older in life, you know, the, the financial flexibility becomes, you know, as you move beyond what my dad talked about, where it's spending time with family and traveling, you get into the latter stage of your life. And that flexibility buys you the opportunity to choose how you get to live the last few years of your life. You know, as we know, a lot of people get to get to a point where their health does not sustain them the way they hope. And so they, uh, they end up having to make decisions about, do I get to stay at home? Do I get to be in the comfort of my own surroundings and my mm -hmm. family, or am I forced to to go live in a uh, a long term care facility? Is it do I even have that opportunity to go to a long term care facility? And uh, you know, I, I see it all the time with uh, I'm seeing it right now in our, our personal life. I've seen it with some of our clients as well, where they get to a situation where they haven't set aside enough money, or they they're not comfortable with the the cost associated with having in-home care when they get to the end of their life. And oh, yeah. it makes for a very challenging situation because you end up having to rely on uh, external supports and, and those supports sometimes are not immediate. And so it can create a lot of stress and a lot of difficulty in not only your life, but also your loved one's lives. And so I think it's important to have the, the financial freedom and flexibility to be able to choose how you want to live, when you want to live and, and do the things that bring you the most joy. Yeah, well, everybody can understand that. I mean, I know that that's true in my personal life, and I saw that with my parents as well. You know, certainly everybody can relate to that. But, John, you you alluded to this a little bit. Let's talk about the present. What are some of the things that you like to do now? I, you talked about fine dining and good wine and, and, and travel. What do, you, what do you do now to enjoy what you have? Well, uh, one of the things I do is I play golf in the summertime and, uh, it's, it, it's an, you interesting... don't do golf in the wintertime. I know. <laughs> See, that's something I would like to do in the future is golf in the wintertime and still run my business from, uh, perhaps Florida. Uh, and so, yes, that's an ambition I have, but right now it's just uh, summertime golf. And I, I find golf an interesting activity because in as much as a lot of people view it as four or five hours of nonsense and it does feel like that from time to time it's actually a a very mentally disciplining activity uh, because there's all sorts of frustrations you experience during the course of a game and you have to learn how to let go of things that don't go your way and uh and then f uh, refocus yourself on what you're about to do next and it allows you to put things into perspective in terms of your professional or personal life is things that are not always going to go your way and you have to deal with items as they come up uh, one at a time and then focus in on them. So I enjoy golf. I enjoy playing hockey during, uh, throughout the year once a week, but also all those other things we talked about earlier about yeah. uh, nice restaurants and travel and nice wines, etc. So you, you you familiar with the book, A Good Walk Interrupted? about golf <laughs> yeah yes 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 i'm more i'm more familiar with robin williams definition of golf uh, i don't know that we want to get into that right now but <laughs> it's it's very colorful if you want to if you want to watch it there you go john alex how about yourself oh i would say a lot of the same things you know i i really enjoy uh golf as well and we i play hockey twice a week once a week with my dad and once a week with another group of guys and uh uh, I'm a competitive person by nature, and so I really mm. enjoy playing sports. Uh, I, I'd actually like to get back into a, a competitive league for hockey because right now we're just playing pickup. And uh, while it's competitive, I, I miss the 
the build-up towards something and ultimately achieving it as opposed to just playing against the same group of guys every single week, which is which is fun in its own, right? But there, there's benefits to both, I would say. But uh, I'm, I'm also, uh, I, I love food. I love wine. My wife and I love to travel around to different wineries and different restaurants and try different things. And we also enjoy really watching sports. So we spend a lot of time watching everything. Like we watch hockey, we watch baseball, basketball, football, golf, Formula One. Uh, I, I really enjoy watching sports, uh, both in person and at home. If I were to have more of an opportunity in the future to be able to spend more time actually traveling and seeing sports in person, I'd love to go see a Formula One race. That's a, mm. that's definitely a bucket list item and, uh, and travel across the United States and see a baseball game in every ballpark. Uh, that would be something that I'd, I'd really love to do someday. Yeah, I've known a couple of people who shared that ambition, actually. I, I know, I know one, one, one man who is in the process. Oh, of visiting each and every ballpark. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's great. So what would let's go from you to a little bit of your client focus in terms of your clients? If what's the one thing that you would recommend to your clients, either be, be health or activity, friends or family? What, what is it? What is a piece of advice that you would, you would share, John? Stop consuming sugar. Hmm. I was reading an article this morning about the longevity issue in the United States. Uh, the rest of the world is experiencing a, a gradual increase in longevity, but in the U.S. in the last several years has been a major drop-off in terms of longevity. And I'm, I'm assuming that what happens in the U.S. Uh, is happening here in Canada as well, because we're neighbors and we're influenced by all the uh, culture and, and the, uh, the food industry. So I see it all around me. People are consuming a lot of sugar in their diet. And unfortunately, this leads to a lot of metabolic issues over the course of time. And this eventually feeds into the uh, paradigm that we were talking about earlier about people ending up in either retirement facilities or the need mm. for in-home care. And it, it's not just about longevity. And in fact, it, it, it's not about longevity. It's about health span. What What is optimal is to get people to uh, live in a healthy fashion up until mm. their, their final moments. And uh, if, if uh, you can achieve that, then that opens up the world to many other things. I'm reading a book right now by Peter Atia. It's called Outlive, recommended to everyone out there. And he talks about preparing for your final decade of life. And that involves not just eating the right foods, uh, but also exercising and, and uh, utilizing resistance training to make sure you have the the muscles to be able to do simple things, whether it be walking, lifting a, a grandchild, or carrying things. And uh, this is this is something that we don't pay attention to because we're very busy in life, but you have to make time to, to get these things done. And uh, no one likes to spend time. I, I shouldn't say no one, but a lot of people don't want to spend the time to exercise and no one, or once again, most people don't, don't want to have to think about what they're eating, but it's a simple, simple thing. I, I think if people just start with avoiding sugar in general and, and the foods that contain sugar, I don't know if people are aware of this, but ketchup is two thirds or three quarters sugar. And think about that for a second when you're as you're putting it on your French fries. <laughs> if if, if I, my advice to anyone out there is take care of your health, because um, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have good health, you can't enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I knew a man who worked in the pharmaceutical industry who once was standing on the sidelines watching our kids play sports. 
He turned to me and goes, you know, most of the world's problems in terms of health would be solved if people didn't eat sugar. Is that right? Well, and that came from a pharmaceutical rep. That's interesting. No, that came, not, a, not a pharmaceutical rep, a pharmaceutical scientist. He was involved oh, with drug development. So I see. Right. It's a hearty amen and, 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 and to, uh, to that piece of advice from you. John. Well, the, the ancient Greeks used to say, let food be thy medicine. And that was Hippocrates. So uh, every, every drug that human beings require for their, the maintenance of their health is found in nature. I, I happen to uh, I happen to personally believe that as well, Alex. What's the one piece of advice you 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 would give to other clients, friends, or family? Uh, before I get to that, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll build on what my dad said. I was listening to Peter Tia this morning actually as I was driving over here, and he said seventy percent of uh, Americans, and I would extrapolate this like my dad said to uh, here in Canada, but seventy percent don't exercise, and it, it can add up to you know a, a decade in terms of uh, your lifespan just by exercising at least once a week, and it's just such a uh, such a simple, some such a simple and controllable aspect of your life that a lot of us obviously choose not to, uh, uh, not to take control of. But uh, since my dad covered a kind of a personal piece of advice, one of the uh, one of the pieces of advice that I've come across that I end up you know sharing a lot of times with people is you can't control time. So when it comes to uh, retirement planning, there's four major variables that you can really control. You know, number one is your rate of return. You can you can adjust your portfolio and you can take on a little bit more equity exposure in order to give yourself the opportunity to have a better rate of return. You can change your rate of savings now. So that means either saving more and, uh, you know, lowering your standard of living right now or, you know, not spending as much on uh, discretionary living in the present. The third variable would be the opposite, and that is adjusting your standard of living or your level of income uh, mm. that you're drawing upon in retirement. But the, the fourth variable when it comes to retirement planning and controlling the amount of money that you have at the end of your life is time. And you never know how long you're going to have. There are so many different variables that, that come into play in terms of determining how much time you have. You know, you could, uh, you could encounter uh, a physical illness that prevents you from working as long as you anticipate. Your job may become obsolete. You may get to a point where you're laid off at a, a later period in life and you're not ready to retire, but because of your age, you find it more difficult to go out and find employment. You know, a lot of times when companies hire, they want somebody who's going to be around for the long term. They want a, an employee who's going to give them 10 plus years of service because otherwise it's just constant turnover. And that becomes challenging when you're in your you know, late 50s, early 60s. I've seen this with some of my friends' parents where they got laid off and they weren't ready to retire financially. but at that point, it was difficult to find other employment. And so it becomes a bit of a challenge. The other uh, variable that can come into play is your health. For whatever reason, you might get hit by a bus or you might uh, suffer some sort of accident or critical illness that prevents you from working. And if you haven't set aside money from an early age, then it becomes very difficult for you to achieve your goal in retirement. You know, we talk a lot about working backwards with our clients. Okay, what's your, what's your standard of living right now? What is your, what, how much does it cost you to live right now? And then applying that to retirement and saying, okay, in order to retire with X amount of money right now, or when you retire, excuse me, so that way you can take Y amount every single year, you need to have this much money put aside. And so you can achieve that with, like I said, a higher rate of return. You can achieve that with saving more now. We're lowering that income in the future, but the fourth variable is time. And you got to start as soon as you can, because there's nothing worse than getting to the end and saying, I don't have enough time. 
because there's nothing you can do about that. And that's a scary well, thought also for a lot the, of people. The thing about time is we don't know how much time there is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and uh, just, just to pick up on Alexander's sentiment there, we talk about money and saving and time. I think one of the most important items that he mentioned was this issue of reaching your early 50s. And 50 to 55 is the danger zone for people who are working for corporations. That's oftentimes when they're at their peak in terms of earnings, and then they get the pink slip, uh, getting downsized, not because they're not capable or not because they're not valuable, but because they're just too expensive. And so companies uh, want to restructure uh, and the sports teams do the same thing. They uh, allow their their great veteran player to, to leave the team so they can uh, reload with a younger talent. And in order to deal with that, what people need to do is invest in their, uh, what we call intellectual capital or their their skill capital. And, and, and that is continue to upgrade your skill set. Yes, you went to school and you may have studied a particular subject and you went into that field, but you don't know what the world uh, is going to evolve like in the future. And so it's important to develop another skill set uh, and continue to upgrade your intellectual capital so that if the time comes, you can pivot and move in a different direction, or in the very least, become an entrepreneur and begin your own business. And that that cannot happen unless you take the time to constantly educate yourself. And that doesn't mean having to go to a, a post-secondary institution. It may simply mean uh, reading uh, more books on your in your free time. It means perhaps watching YouTube videos, taking, tra taking training sessions on YouTube. Or, or if you want, go ahead and get some skilled training uh, at a third-party location. But you have to continuously invest in yourself. And, and, and that is very, very critical to be able to deal with changes as they happen over time. That's yeah, true. I, and that's, that's good common sense. But I, I just want to jump in here and ask both of you, how, that's a, is that a tough sell? I mean, it's very difficult when you're talking, I think, when you talk to somebody who's in their 20s and say you need to save you need to start saving now you need to start investing now and and then when you're talking to somebody who's 45 saying you know you need to prepare yourself because you are entering a phase where it's important that you add to your skill sets and i don't think a lot of people want to listen to that stuff i think that's fine i'll have a conversation about it but you know they don't necessarily want to listen to it john well, and nobody wants to listen to good to to advice that requires an effort. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's what it is. It requires a, con a concerted effort, just like exercise and diet. No one no mm -hmm. wants to actually focus and say, oh, okay, I got to pay attention now to what I'm eating. Oh, gee, now I have to go and move and lift heavy things. And, and no one wants to go back to school. I thought I, thought I was done with that when I was 20 years old. And uh, the truth is, we never stop learning and we never should stop learning. Uh, education is not just a matter of a formal institution. Education happens every day uh, through reading, uh, whether it be reading books or uh, articles in the, in the, in the media or, or simply interacting with other people who come from different walks of life. And it, yeah, it's 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 difficult to to take advice like that, and people will will not take advice of any sort until something happens to them, and then at that time it, it, they begin to realize, hey, I I really need to 
do something different here and uh, and start to focus on these other areas that I've been ignoring all this time. So, you know, we can bring it up in conversation, but oftentimes it falls on deaf ears, unfortunately. It's also a tough sell too, because what we're talking about is delaying gratification. So, you know, for yeah. a lot of people, you know, the one one thing that I see a lot of times with people my age is the the temptation to say, well, I, I, I could set this money aside and I could set it towards I mean, buying a house, setting it aside for retirement. But a lot of those are delayed events. Those are events that are going to occur, you know, five, 10, and if you're talking about retirement, you know, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Oh, yeah. And so to convince somebody to uh, set that money aside for that, as opposed to using it immediately to go buy something, you know, think about how much we are in a, how much we exist in a consumer culture uh, where people want to go out and it's, it's fast fashion, it's uh, immediate purchasing. So I can have it. Now we get Amazon deliveries the next day. And if it's anything longer than that, people get annoyed or, you know, a lot of times that ends up being travel. You know, I see a lot of times where people are like, well, I, I just want to do this one more trip. And, you know, I want to have this one more experience and, and nobody's saying that you should do that. Those are tremendous experiences to have. And I, I would encourage people to travel as much as they can, but as much as they can within their limits while still looking after their long-term, their long-term goals. And it's, it's difficult because there are many people out there who don't like to think about long-term. It's, it's an uncomfortable topic. It's, it's uncomfortable for some people to think about, you know, 15, 20 years from now, they, they want to just live in the present. I, I I don't think it needs to be a binary option. It's certainly not an issue of uh, this or that. When you earn a dollar, you don't have to commit uh, 50% to the long-term and 50% to the present. It, it can be an issue of I can save 20% for the future and 80% for the present. And so you're still utilizing the majority of your capital for your present consumption, both for needs and for pleasure. But you do need to have that extra 20% because the probabilities are that you are going to live beyond a certain age and you need to be prepared for it. I, I, I think one of the things I've come across with my um, clientele, and I've been in the business 37 years, so I've grown up with a lot of these people and they, they're, they're, they're still older than I am. And people reach a comfort zone after say 65 and they say well i have enough money now i really don't need to be investing any longer well first of all we we don't know what how the world is going to unfold and, and you can never have enough money from that perspective but also that people underestimate the demands uh on your capital for for health items so the biggest amount of uh expenditure people will experience in life will occur in the final five, possibly 10 years of their life if they become debilitated. Uh, the cost of whether it be in-home care or institutional care is extraordinary. Uh, I was very fortunate with uh, my own mother uh, many years ago when long-term care insurance became uh, available here in Canada. Um, my brother and I shared in the cost of buying an insurance policy for her and we paid um, a significant amount of money on a monthly basis um, over the course of 10 years to fund this policy. But in the end, it paid huge dividends uh, because unfortunately she did become debilitated and she was debilitated for over five years. And whatever amount of money we put in that insurance policy, we got back out and then some. And so it's probably one of the better, uh, best investments we've ever made is in investing in that insurance policy. For, so for people mm. who do not have the financial resources to accumulate 
uh, vast amounts of money to to self-insure uh, these health costs, you can do it through an insurance policy, and uh, we'd be happy to help people uh, coordinate that. Yeah, uh, just before you jump in there, Bill, sorry, one uh, last point to uh, to mention there is, uh, like my dad said, I think a lot of people underestimate the the costs associated with retirement. You know, a lot of times people think uh, I'm retired, my kids are out of the house, and and therefore my cost of living is going to go down, my house will be paid off, and I, I don't have to worry about all these different expenses. And the truth of the matter is you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know what your health is going to be and the cost associated with that, as my dad mentioned. You don't know that your kids are going to move out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are many people who who do have uh, adult children living with them. And even if they don't, a lot of times they want to provide support for their for their kids or their grandkids. They want to help them with some sort of financial milestone, whether that's buying a house or just providing them with some cash to enjoy their life uh, in the uh, in the present. And so there are a lot of expenses and unexpected expenses that people uh, incur during retirement, as well as travel for that matter and, uh, and leisure. There are a lot of uh, expenses that people don't truly account for. They just look at their current income and they say, or their current expenditure, and they say, oh, it'll go down by half. Not necessarily. And that's why it's important to uh, to make sure that you have enough money set aside. I, I think anyone that travels uh, or anyone that goes out for entertainment realizes that the burn rate for those pleasures in life is very high. These days you go out for, uh, never mind, uh, you're not going to, well, obviously on the subject that we were talking about earlier about health and diet, we're, we're not advocating people run out and get fast food, fast food meals. So if you're going to go to a decent restaurant as a couple, uh, it's going to be easily $200, $250. So uh, when you're spending that kind of money, um, a lot of people are going to have difficulty doing that more than once a month, if that. So if you're financially uh, more established because you've taken care of your uh, assets in a fashion that allows you to have more resources at retirement, then you can enjoy those finer things in life or travel. You know what it costs to travel, never mind the the flight. Once you arrive at a, at a decent hotel, again, you're talking about start, it starts at Two hundred fifty dollars a night, and then it goes up from there. It can be a thousand dollars a night. Uh, even a, an Airbnb is going to be um, in that range. So the burn rate is very high. So when you have nothing to do, when you're not going to work, and spending nine hours of your day involved with your work, you got to fill that time somehow. And how are you going to fill it? Are you going to travel? You're going to go to restaurants. You're going to spend it at the golf course. All these things cost money, and people underestimate that. They they do indeed, which leads me kind of to the question of we're talking we're talking a little bit about mental and, and emotional and fiscal discipline. Do you have a mantra or a, or a motto or something that you say to yourself to keep yourself focused and and paying attention to your goals? Are you speaking about uh, financial goals or, or or health goals or? Well, you can, it could be any of those. It can be any of those because we're what we're talking. Part of what you're talking about here is starting early, being aware of your 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 situation, and being under and understanding that, as both of you have said, there are no guarantees. But it's not easy to remember there are no guarantees it's not easy to say you know hey you know i'd like to do this now as opposed to do this let me put this up for just a little bit so i'm just i'm wondering is there is there some kind of 
I, I call it a mantra, call it a motto, call it whatever you want, just to kind of keep yourself focused and to remember what it is. Well, it, 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 early in my career, uh, one of my contemporaries, David Chilton, wrote a book called The Wealthy Barber. And uh, that book was based on another book called, uh, from, the, from 100 years ago called The Wealthiest Man in Babylon. And essentially, the message of the book is that you need to save 10% of what you earn and invest it wisely. Otherwise, you will be a slave uh, to someone else for the rest of your life. And that's what I always keep in the in the back of my head uh, is the need to allocate a percentage of your income toward your financial security. And, and is 10% the right number? I personally don't think 10% is enough, especially with uh, the cost of living these days. Uh, and also with the rate of return expectations that the the capital markets uh, have been offering investors over the last decade or so, uh, I think the number is probably uh, closer to 20 or 25 percent. I know that that might scare a lot of people, but if you look some of the and, and I was about to say look at some of the pension plans out there, there aren't that many defined benefit pension plans available any longer. <laughs> not not unless you're working for a government agency. And uh, so if we look at the teachers here in, in Ontario, and, and I suspect it's going to be similar in other parts of, um, of North America in terms of uh, pensions or government defined benefit pension plans, they're, they're forcibly uh, taking 12, 13% of a teacher's pay, and then the government matches that. So there's 25% of their of of their income going into a pension plan and that only provides for uh, roughly two-thirds of your best five years of income from your career so saving is absolutely critical uh, is the number 10 percent is a 25 i think it's closer to 25 than 10 um, but 10 is better than nothing and, and this going back to the health topic and listening to someone who who uh, focuses in on exercise and he says, you know, if you're going to do push-ups and you can't find the time to do your three sets of push-ups and, and get 50 or 75 reps in every day, he says, one set is better than none. So even if you do 20 one day, you have, you have three minutes to exercise. You're too busy to do anything else. So you have three minutes to exercise. You drop down, you do 20 push-ups. Seven days later, you have 140 push-ups in the bank. And that's better than zero push-ups at the end of the week. It's not perhaps optimal. It's not going to increase your muscle strength significantly. It's not going to make you the healthiest person, but it's going to do something positive. So a little bit is better than nothing. And if it means starting with 5%, then start with 5 and you build from there. Yeah, Alex, anything to add on that? Just in terms of, you know, mottos or mantras, you know, uh, one that I like is nobody cares, work harder. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's perhaps a little bit crass. You know, but I used to say that to my kids, and I don't, I don't think they appreciated that, Alex. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think you appreciate it more as you get older, because at the end of the day, uh, everybody's got a reason for why they can't do something and why, you know, things didn't go their way. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, that doesn't it doesn't give you anything. And so that's why you can get to the end of your life and say, oh, well, I didn't I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And I, I had this reason for not doing that. But if you and a lot of people in the present, they, they like to complain and they like to look for sympathy and we're all guilty of it, myself included. But no, nobody's going to come and, and hand you a million dollars because they feel bad for you and, and you didn't things didn't go the way you wanted. So you got to find a way to persevere. And so that's why I always think it's it's just a matter of you got to 
You got to keep working. And even if there's an obstacle in your way, you either work hard to get through it or you find a way around it. And so uh, that's why I like to uh, to think about it. I, I, well, I, like, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger's model, don't be soft. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pretty much to the end of this particular podcast. But before we go, I, I want to give listeners a chance to know how to reach out to you. So I, John or Alex, you take the floor. And how do people find you and how do they reach out to you if they want to get in touch? Well, they can uh, they can reach us by email at info at med-wealth.ca. Uh, we also have our website, which is med-wealth.ca or johnsutsos.com. That's J-O-H-N-S-O-U-T-S-O-S.com. Uh, we also have a LinkedIn page where uh, you can find us on uh, MedWealth Financial Services and on Twitter or X. And our uh, our handle there is at MedWealth, and it's at M-E-D hyphen W-E-A-L-T-H. I don't know if it's still, if I'm still allowed to call it Twitter, but uh, either way. I was going to compliment you on nice catch, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I noticed the change on my phone. It was, I think it was yesterday, the day before I saw the uh, the logo get updated. And so it's, it's a little odd to see it that way now. But uh, anyway, if I say Twitter, people will know where to go and uh Exactly. And they'll find information about that. Uh, we'll be posting information on when episodes are available. They can reach out to us through there. And our website's another, uh, as I mentioned before, is a great tool to go on there and find information about us in terms of upcoming events, as well as some helpful information and, uh, and calculators that they can use for their own uh, retirement planning. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much. This was an entertaining and informative uh, episode and listeners, thank you for listening to the prescriber. Pres- I'll get my voice back. Thank you for listening to the Prescribing Prosperity Podcast with John and Alex Sutos. And if you're a new listener and you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that the next episode will be automatically delivered to your listening device and you won't miss an episode because you won't have to go looking for it. We also humbly ask that if you would like, please share and rate the podcast, because in doing so, you will help others find it. I'm Bill Tucker, and on behalf of John and Alex, thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Prescribing Prosperity. Visit our website at med-wealth.ca. That's M-E-D hyphen wealth dot C-A for more information or to connect with us for a consultation. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and their guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of IPC Securities Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified and licensed financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment or retirement planning. MedWealth Financial Services can provide a private consultation to help you determine the suitability of any guidance discussed on the show.